This episode is brought to you by Cast Party. Cast Party is a Dungeons & Dragons actual play podcast. Cast Party follows a group of young actors and crew members in L.A. While on set filming Hollywood's next big fantasy film, they accidentally speak a true spell during the final scene. This spell teleports them to the world of Dungeons & Dragons. Thus begins their quest to find their way back to the real world. You can find Cast Party, the actual play D&D podcast, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Hello and welcome, heroes, to the Crit Academy. I am your host, Justin. And I am your guest, Austin Brady, and we hope to inspire you with creative content that you can bring to your next adventure. Every time. (laughs) Um, We want to thank you guys for joining us here at Crit Academy Studios, where everything's made up and your roles don't matter. That's right. Your roles, like the homebrew world, without any homebrew content, don't count. The <laughs> it's not, not really a homebrew. Not a homebrew. At that point, it's kind of just like you got a different map, but you're still playing the same thing. <laughs> it's it's uh, like you tried to homebrew, but you other fermented. You, know, you fermented <laughs> somewhere else. That's, that's good. not brewing at I all. I like that. That's really good. Um, that was really so good. I'm really excited for our uh, episode today. Obviously, we have a special guest, Austin Brady, from the Homebrew Dungeons and Dragons Sci-Fi Podcast. So I'm super excited to talk about that today. Um, but before all that, we have a little bit of housekeeping. First, if you're watching this and you like Dungeons and Dragons and you like superheroes, make sure to check out our Capes and Crooks playtest streams bi-weekly on Fridays. This is our upcoming Kickstarter projects. To sign up for notifications for this project, head on over to our website at criticademy.com slash capesandcrooks. If you've been watching it so far, thank you very much. It's going awesome. So much fun. Who knew that D&D could work as a superhero? I bet you our buddies at Homebrew did because they've made it sci-fi. <laughs> so I'm really excited to um, poke his brain about that a little bit. Um, Absolutely. So yes, uh, we did run into a small hiccup with the timing. Um, Kickstarter is forcing us to fulfill all of our backers for Memorable Monsters first, which is good because our layout should be done this weekend. So um, hopefully that doesn't take more than a couple weeks. So yeah. Uh, we're really excited for that. In the meantime, that means more playtests, more ideas. Um, now, moving on, uh, we like to start off every episode by giving away fat loots, don't we? Free stuff. Absolutely. And right now, our RPG fat loot giveaway is Valerie Goodwin's Book of Heart, something very new. Uh, Valerie Goodwin's Book of Heart is a collection of good, pure, and optimistic options for players that expand on the D&D core rulebooks and supplements, which is also really great. I like the more optimistic approach for one change. Instead of the, yes, Dark Lich, consume humanity. (laughs) Uh, 10% of all profits will be donated directly to Doctors Without Borders for their continued good outside of the fantasy world. The source book provides a glance at what may be contained within the Book of Exalted Deeds, including virtuous pursuits, subclasses for every class, Class, optional feats, and magic items. Who doesn't love a good magic item? Each subclass in the book is commented on by Valerie herself, highlighting their pure good. Yes, it's actually really good, and 
I've said this before. I was very happy to be part of Monsters uh, of the Guild, which also did the same thing. They had uh, uh, Doctors Without Borders donations. So mm-hmm. um, I highly recommend checking this out. Um, you can head over to CritAcademy.com slash post slash episode 218. You can get a link right to the product there. Um, I always support these good causes because I have been on the receiving end of them in need. So make sure if you want to do something good, you can pick up some D&D content and help save the world. Who's our winner today, Austin? Our winner today is CD... Right, I forget about that. (laughs) (laughs) Our winner today is CD Marshall 18. But don't worry if you didn't win, to all the rest of you out there, uh, just head over to CritAcademy.com and subscribe for your chance to win on the newsletter. Uh, we give away Fat Loots every week, so just do it. <laughs> you never do know when now. you're going to win. So all you got to do is sign up, um, because it's a new item, it's two new items every week, there's always a chance you'll win more than once. So. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, that'll do it for the housekeeping. Um, on to our main topic, our wonderful interview with the Homebrew D&D Sci-Fi uh, Actual play podcast player, not the DM, right? Player? No, no. I, okay. I, I'm a player. I'm a cast member. Um, a voice. Um, creative director of the podcast. Uh, I like that. I do. I I also do all like the the art and design stuff on that kind Very of end cool. of things as well. So you wear a few hats. Is what it comes down to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did hats. the logo as well. It's very nice. Um. I'm really excited about this. Uh, I did get a chance to listen to uh, a few episodes in, and I have to say I love the the cast. The storytelling is fantastic, and I love that it's sci-fi. Like, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, I'm super excited for that. There's a lot of good stuff in this uh, this story, this adventure. You kind of already talked a little bit um, about yourself. Can you give us a little bit more detail um, about you specifically and all the, the a little more depth about the details that you do and um, the, the homebrew? So me, uh, Austin James Brady, um, I play Zaldwin uh, in our first bulk of our arc. And then I also end up playing a, a character named Mordecai. A little bit later on, um, who's name. part of a different crew altogether? So I love that. If you're okay. if you're just starting off and you're scared about Zaldwin, he's <laughs> he's still around. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you you said it yourself. Like we're we're an actual play podcast um, set in a sci-fi world. Um, a lot of the things that we, we, we deal with worldwide is, are like very gritty, very like, you know, like people die. There's no plot armor. Um, mm-hmm. everything's pretty rough. I mean, the, the universe is kind of falling apart. Uh, the stars are dying. Uh, the entropy is kind very of cool premise. Taking, I like taking that a over lot. Us. Yeah. And cool. so, uh, it, it's, it's how do these characters, um, operate in a world that is absolutely falling apart that is stuck in power struggle between you know forces on a galactic scale um it's no longer just like continents or warring countries or anything it's it's like Mm -hmm. every planet has those problems every planet is going to have some sort of chaos going on it um and we have to somehow figure it out we're on a path we don't know where that's leading yet but we're on it. 
That's that's part of the fun, I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh man, uh, what would you say is your most memorable D and D moment? Uh, it could be either in this uh, this that you're playing right now, or it could be just overall as a player. I don't know how long you've been playing. Or... Yeah, yeah, I, I've been playing for I want to say over ten years now. I, okay. I don't track my my player anniversary or anything. Right. Um, I think <laughs> that needs to be a thing. One uh, kind of moment that was like really, really impactful for me. And it, it really kind of got me into the idea of like, oh no, I can do anything in this world. Um, it was me and my friends when we first started, I think I, it was like early college for me. And I was always like huge dork playing like RPG fantasy video games and everything. But college is, is a great kind of, grouping because you you get all those people mm-hmm. together and you're like you know what i've always wanted to play D D. let's learn how to do it <laughs> um nice. and so we were super in- inexperienced we assumed that you had to start at first edition but our our first edition ended up being pretty homebrew itself um <laughs> we we broke pretty much all the rules and yeah, um, well, you know one moment that I, I realized, like, oh, no, this is a huge sandbox. It doesn't have to be this way, um, right. was I was playing a fighter. Fighters don't have any spells. I don't ha- didn't have any um, arrows don't or need anything. I was, big, <laughs> I was just a big sword boy. And we're oh, fighting yeah. three things flying around in the air. And I, like, wasted all of everything just trying to hit these flying things until I... Uh, realized like oh i have a grappling hook and there's a witch flying around the room and i use my grappling hook to sink into her yank her out of the air and then just punch her to death <laughs> is it just an austin thing with grappling yeah, hooks? it's so funny that you mentioned that because yeah. one of my more uh fond D moments is me just messing around with a grappling hook it is so funny that you say that actually. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome it's so fun it's yeah. just in the book, it says you gain advantage on climbing checks, but it's a it's a grappling hook. What yeah. do you mean? That's all it does. I'll, I'll pick my teeth with it. Oh, dude, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. and I'm pretty sure it. anybody who yeah. means a uh, scorpion and roll combat might have a few ideas too. Uh, oh oh yeah. yeah. Anyway, do you have any moments where Very you feel moment. you've failed either as a DM or a player? Um, I I think as a, a DM, you always feel like you you could have done that a little better or like oh, I feel like I oh, didn't yeah. really rule this right. So there's like little stuff and you gotta, it's gotta be like water on a duck's back, right? It's, you just yeah. gotta let it roll off of you. And, um, but I, I think when I was really, really a really young and experienced player, I might've taken things a little too seriously from like my table. All right. And I was just like, no, like we got to figure out this puzzle. You know, everybody just wanted to drink any pizza and shoot spells right and i was just yeah. like a little too <laughs> a little too into it you know and right. um since then i've like realized that like you know you can't control everything you got to read the table you got to be there to have fun ultimately right. um yeah and so it's yeah as i've become a much older player as i've dm'd myself as you know all those things kind of come together it's like it, you just can't have that amount of control over everything. Um, and I've learned a lot from that. Uh, yeah. And I, I like 
all about reading the table. You know, I I play in the homebrew, which is a gritty, all your really gritty story. All of your decisions count. Everybody will remember everything. It's very yeah, um, mm-hmm. almost like a t- telltale game or. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. we do something fucked up or dumb, you know, it's always like, so-and-so will remember that. It's it's always going to be <laughs> Right, there. like, it's like, um, oh, that's going to I, I gonna play another campaign with... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Uh, but I play another campaign w- with my brother where everything's just... It's whatever, dude. Uh, I played Gritty, <laughs> the hockey mascot, the Philadelphia Flyers mascot. I played Gritty as a barbarian. One of our uh, other players was uh, Benjamin Franklin, but he was a walrus. You know, like, <laughs> it was just, you know, Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. Let's get in there and just do some, like, really wacky shit. And, you know, it's okay oh, if, like, the, the, the weird old man child uh, in the village dies. It's, it's okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, wow. read the table. Um, yeah yeah for sure and i and i and i see that a lot and when i i follow a lot of like the the newbie areas for D, and everyone is always so concerned about oh my players did this and i wasn't expecting it or and and they feel like they need to what could i have done better i was like most consensus is just go with it i mean and that's obviously what's interesting to your players and as so long as everyone is enjoying it Eh, roll with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if players blow my mind, I I give it to them. You know, I'm just like, right. I didn't think about that. That's rad as cool. You get inspiration. <laughs> I'm just going to roll with it. <laughs> right, right. I found that interesting that you mentioned that, like, early on, you took it ultra seriously whenever he's laid back, where for me, I feel like most games I played in, they're, like, ultra casual, which I am perfectly okay with. But I remember I sat down with one or two groups where I always make make a joke, and they would all look at me. You're speaking out of character. Uh, oh no. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh it's no. One indeed. of these groups, then great. Yep. Time to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I've been in those tables where I sat down, and within a few minutes, I was like, "This isn't for me." I'll see you no. guys later. Bye. So, um, so we've talked a lot about you and a lot of the cool stuff you've done and that you've learned. Can you tell us about the Homebrew Podcast and, and how it came to be? Yeah, so uh, I was in my master's degree program, and I had a little bit of extra time. I know you're not supposed to have extra time in an MFA <laughs> program, but I was like, oh, I'll play around, whatever. And um, I ended up playing a little bit of D&D with uh, one of my fellow painters, Katie Neese, over at University of Notre Dame, um, and her partner was actually friends with Grant, who is our DM for the podcast. Um, and I also played with a couple other cast members previously, uh, both Cody and, and TJ from, from the Homebrew podcast. Um, and we played that campaign. It ended up being kind of like a short chapter thing. Um, and then Grant, you know, a couple months later, just kind of approached me and... He was like, hey, I like your play style. I want you to come to another table that I'm hosting. And by the way, I'm recording everything and it's going to be a podcast. I was like, okay. You know, like I I, you know, I listen to a lot of D&D podcasts. I kind of like 
I, I love playing. I love a reason to keep playing and keep to a schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it's just been great ever since. Um, Grant has been a, a really solid DM, um, pushing the fo- story forward and and uh, also kind of being so, the, the drive behind us getting serious as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pushing you that direction, huh? Yeah, yeah. So was there any special precaution or processes you guys had to do to 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 set this up? I mean, um what kind of can you the can you kind of walk us through the process of development of this this the podcast aspect? Yeah, uh, I mean, I think at the very beginning, it just started really, really casually. We, I was using like a really crappy set of headphones. We're just like, we're just going to record it. We're going to put it out into the void. If it catches on, we'll reassess, basically. And so like the biggest thing is just doing it and doing it consistently. Absolutely. As long as you're doing it consistency, things will come. And as soon as we started hitting like 300 listeners, 400 listeners getting around in, in that um, kind of area, we're just like, okay, we got to, we got up it, you know, we got to buy better. better mics. We got to push production quality. We got to divvy out some jobs here and there. So I started taking on more of the, illustration work some of the graphic design stuff um our friend cody our our, uh, fellow cast member cody um started taking on some of the editing uh and then eventually all of the editing uh and he's been really great especially like he's he's tuning in you know like i'm tuning in as an artist really kind of getting a feel for like what the pot what the homebrew looks like he's zooming in on these sounds and really tightening it up so um it's a it's a process like anything else you know as long as you're doing it and doing it consistently mm-hmm. you know people will come to it yeah that's uh very cool yeah and that's that's something i've always wanted to do i mean because i started this show we did some small uh uh play tests early on where we did uh uh just like some uh good one shots but I, by the end of it, with adding the audio and the sound and the music, I was just I'm not doing this again. I was like, it took <laughs> took me. I recorded one long episode. It was like four hours long, and I felt like it took me a month to edit it. I was like, I'm done. So I have a new newfound appreciation for the amount of work that goes into that. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Grant was was DMing and editing and publishing and doing all of it at the very beginning. And he's just like, I can't, I can't keep up with it. Cause like we all have our jobs and right, right. you know, like s- some of the cast members have, have children and like real lives and everything that they also have to, you know, like do and stuff then, with. Yeah. Oh, I, so. I get that. I mean, I've had some of my work that I do for this podcast just get chopped into when they suddenly change my shift on me and I had no life afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ugh. Ugh. So I think we've all been there on some level. Oh, yeah. Right. For sure. What kind of challenges do you run into when you guys develop a sci-fi themed 5e game? Um, I, I think the biggest thing is like sometimes things just don't fully translate over and there has to be some kind of like adjustment to that. Um, we mm. tried for the most part not bringing too much in as far as like you know, uh, bows do way less damage than 
laser rifles or anything like that. It's much more like what type of damage they use. Um, so in our world, laser weapons do uh, radiant damage, whereas like energy weapons do necrotic. Um, and there's like little adjustments okay. here and there. Um, and I, I think some of the kind of like one of the weirdest kind of conversions was um, trying to figure out like piloting, like what's your piloting skills? How do you um, operate spacecraft? Uh, how well do you know, you, you know, a shuttle or anything like that? And we kind of just like, we're like, well, it's animal handling now. You know, like we're not really going <laughs> to handle a lot of animals in this world. So piloting a skill, <laughs> you know, piloting a ship, that skill, it's just going to be animal handling. Um, I can kind so, of vibe with that. I like yeah, that. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, the biggest thing is just to like remain loose with the rules, you know, like if something kind of comes up, you talk it through with the players and see if everybody feels comfortable with it. And then you just hammer it down. That's going to be the way that the, the ruling is from this point forward. That is now the law. <laughs> so let's say, so I assume you guys are using the traditional roles or did you build new classes or just reflavor the ones that exist already? So there's some heavy reskinning. Um, so for, for instance, uh, one of our players, uh, Tyrell, uh, TJ, uh, who plays Oliver. Um, Oliver is a, like, I think want to say like 16 to 18 year old like kid who's just been heavily experimented on. Um, he has these giant mechanical robot arms that are like bigger than his body. Um, and he's a pit fighter, right? But he's that's cool. on paper. He's, he's basically a minotaur. Um, like that's what nice. he has. Uh, and so okay. all of the things the the rushing, the charging, all those abilities, um, just kind of like translate into him being like a pit fighter. Um, Makes and sense. my character is Alduin. I, I always love playing tieflings. They're super fun. The innate magic is great. Um, feel the same I, way about Azimars. So I feel you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm the other coin. <laughs> They're, they're super fun to play. I love the charisma bonus, all that stuff. Um, and I wanted to design him in a way. I had this idea that this there's this luxury cruise ship. It falls into a wormhole. It is gone for seven years. And meanwhile, the, the luxury cruise ship is in another time space experiencing thousands and thousands of years passing. And so the onboard AI has to figure out like, okay, how do I sustain us? And so the AI comes up with like its own religion based off of itself. It slowly teaches people. Um, it has like an online uh, uh, onboard like med bay and it has to start okay. like tweaking with people's DNA to get them to be able to uh, like take on the radiation, like deep space radiation and stuff. So okay. I reskinned cool. the, the tiefling uh, to be what we call a, a deepling, and it it changed like instead of being uh, having resistance to fire, I have resistance to radiation. Um, tweaked nice. tweaked some of my spells uh, in order to to match the theme. Um, instead of like a normal mouth, he has this this large insectoid 
crustacean-y kind of mouth thing going. Um, that sounds cool. Okay, yeah. And and some of my spells, like, w- my biggest thing is, like, Booming Blade. Like, it's, it's I use it every time that I, I, I go to attack. Um, it, it's reskinned as, like, radiation that I'm able to, like, leak out of vents on my hands. And those imbue my weapons with that, that radiation power. So instead cool. of doing the uh, the tick typical thunder damage it's it's some form of like nasty radiation damage that's really cool yeah it sounds like you, <laughs> Very cool. it sounds like as we kind of touched on the numerous episodes too that you guys do a lot of, of a reflavoring which is awesome mm-hmm. yeah and i know i've seen many games and settings for example integrate both like uh science fiction and fantasy together like we see that with like starfinder you see that with, like, with warhammer shoot you think it was star wars technically so there's many angles you can go at it with yeah for right. sure. even in uh like even in uh, Wizards of the Coast like stuff like even like Ravnica and Eberron you kind of see that strange mixture of like sci-fi and fantasy but I really do like the the ex- the heavy uh, sci-fi take on this one where yeah. it's not something you see very often uh, or even like books that are even published there's not really a lot of like new sci-fi stuff that's really out and I only know this because I work at Barnes and Noble so yeah it's kind of my thing <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, it's it's nice to to see this kind of setting being taken, I guess, seriously instead of just mm-hmm. having this like fantasy. It's being like accompanied with this fantasy element. It's just a lot more of the sci-fi, which is not something I see very often. Yeah, so, very cool. Shadow Run, especially after all the posts like yesterday about how yesterday was Goblinization Day. <laughs> uh, this one, like all the um, various like. The, the dungeons and dragons like races you know like they all mm. come from different planets so they're all essentially aliens you know like humans are aliens um orcs are aliens gnomes are aliens you know they're all just various um you know types of extraterrestrial being and that was like a really kind of solid way to um cover that 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 kind of spread and that expanse you know there's there's a gnomish yeah. homeworld um here so that was that was kind of fun to play with and those are the sorts of things that i really like because when i think about that if you've got a gnomish wor- a home world and you go there everything is designed for people their size so just as a player that's normal size imagining the amounts of inconveniences yeah. <laughs> just seems like it would be so much fun to role play out like i can imagine my uh, we all go to a tavern uh, i sit down the table breaks yeah you know, little little things like that, or you're constantly drinking dr- drinking out of this tiny little might as well be a shot glass <laughs> yeah. compared to you know a taller uh, person. Yeah. So I like I like those sorts of things, and I think uh, the the team did a good job covering. Hey, you, basically, you're all just from different planets, and that's why you all look different. Yeah, and I know. Have of different the powers. Where how humans basically the meme was humans are space orcs, and they basically had the humans from an alien perspective basically filling all the orc tropes. <laughs> Ah, and they um, do. Did you see what humans did? They found the Alpha Predators on their planet. And what they do? They keep them as pets. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, humans, I guess, kind of would operate a lot like orcs. <laughs> we're bad people. We're not very good people. We're, we're pretty oh, terrible. look at that spiny lizard thingy. It's so cute. I want to keep him. So I guess to kind of move it along a little bit here, uh, what makes the homebrew different from other actual play podcasts? Um, I think it's the heavy, heavy um, 
sci-fi flavoring like we've been talking about that um, doesn't make sense I, I see a lot of podcasts and it's it tends to be pretty light one way or another um you know it and as far as like differentiating from the the traditional fantasy genre um i see like dimension 20 do it and and i i really enjoy them and they're all you know production quality is great and they're they're fun players and everything but as far as like really just stripping away i would say probably 85 percent of the fantasy and pushing like sci-fi into it like we have a, mm. this whole nother world we're not running by a book we're not borrowing characters from from the typical lore like it's all written by grant like the world is written by grant um we of course like all contribute to that story we all have the things that we're we're adding on in layers um it's a very collaborative effort um but i i think that the sci-fi makes it really really built in um another thing that i think that makes us quite a bit different is that we are um veteran players as well uh i see a lot of podcasts that is yeah. where it's it's people who are just starting off and they expect their listeners to kind of learn with them um and we just like come out grant knows the rules you know if if we have like a kind of like question about the rules or or anything like that it's like it lasts maybe two seconds and then we move forward. Um, so we're veteran yeah. players. We, we know the rules. We, we try to keep everything kind of rolling pretty quickly um, so that like people who are also veteran players can just like click in and they don't have to, you know, sit there and be They're like, not taken out of the experience. Yeah. It, it's like, yeah. what do you mean? You don't know what this spell does, you know, like, right. You know, some people might get frustrated with that. I don't particularly get frustrated with that when I'm listening to to podcasts, but um, we know that we can move that forward pretty quickly. And then we also don't really edit that much. Um, like we put in music, we take out toilet breaks, um, and th- <laughs> that's pretty much it. You know, like so when you when we say actual play, like you're getting actual play all right do you guys have any plans to bring the setting to like a a pdf or a book form yeah uh grant is super excited about that he's like yeah as we're talking about growing and 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 doing all sorts of stuff he's like i want to i want to publish i want to publish this world out there um i've also been working on this a little little secret preview for all all the people listening but i'm i'm basically working on homebrews podcast specific uh character sheets um Mm -hmm. so one of the things that that grant does when we're creating our characters is he's he's like okay you're gonna have a major item and you're gonna have a minor item and the major items are like rule twisting world break or uh, uh rule breaking kind of special items that we get that like do awesome stuff and then we get like a, a minor item that's like a slight buff so if you listen to the podcast <laughs> zaldwin has a flying robot um that uh it, okay. its name is hermes and it's it's his assistant 
it may or may not be recording things for the the giant ai that runs the luxury <laughs> ship that he comes from uh yeah, it may you. or may not be all sorts of stuff some of it i don't even know like grant grant even gave me a little like precursor is like you can control hermes in combat but i can control him in the story like i'm i control the lore <laughs> you know um uh, of of that thing so there's even secrets that hermes has that i don't know but uh hermes is basically like a uh i i've can tweak him i can edit him i can tinker with him i can give him tools that he can become proficient in uh he can cast spells you know so there there's all this kind of cool stuff that happens with with hermes um he can fly around and like move security cameras if we're trying to sneak somewhere um mm. He can assist me in various ways. He can read data chips that we collect, um, anything like that. So it's a very handy AI. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Super, super handy, um, especially you know in combat when people need assistance. He can record spells, and then he can hold a certain amount of recorded spells. So if he sees it, he can learn it, um, which has been awesome. Like Shield of Faith. Uh, has been super helpful when it's casted <laughs> from a little robot that just flies around. Um, it doesn't yeah. take up your concentration. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, like yeah. Hermes is his own thing. And uh, then my minor item is is a, a sick pair of like energy sabers that I use um, that of are course, just basically you know. like plus one short swords, you know, the, like, but they, they deal the um, modified damage type. Mm-hmm. Nice. I like Very that. Fun. Yeah. Some good stuff there. Yeah, yeah. So I'm 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 designing these like character sheets uh based off of like um back to what I was actually getting to. Uh designing these character <laughs> sheets to accommodate for that. So on the items page, I have a spot for major items, I have a spot for minor items and like big areas for descriptions of what they do and stuff like that. Very and cool. Trying to build it towards the the play style that we actually use so that if you do end up you know like trying to build this world or use the some some of the things that we do you have a character sheet that accommodates for for all those weird funky really sets, stuff that we do yeah i can see where that can uh, set a lot of like interesting role play aspects just with having like a major item that obviously can, like pertains to the plot in some way shape or form mm-hmm. uh, that obviously has story attached to it which is something that is kind of lacking in a lot of magic items in D&D to begin with uh, where they kind of just are things they exist and they help yeah. you but they don't innately have something tied to it whereas it sounds like at least with the the AI that you have it sounds like they um they at least have like it it already came from something that has a certain purpose behind it. And you're even your DM is kind of like, I'm not letting you have full control of this because yeah. reasons. And I think because of the fact that there's this interaction between player and DM, it makes this object a lot more important than it already is. So yeah, one of our, our players, uh, Pippin, he plays a wizard named Nivets and um, he's like this, this huge researcher has all this like technology um, and in our kind of like episode one, episode zero, um, he gets his lab raided by like a shady government thing. Right. And so some of the technology that he was still able to like hold on to and retain, we end up seeing versions of that, that like 
the like government agents are using and so he his like his major (laughs) item is this like cloner that he's able to like clone himself with and his clone it lives for x amount of time and it can hold concentration for him it can cast cantrips for him stuff like that like you know um but uh we end up like what other technology from your lab ended up getting raided and like oh we see it here in the world like this bad guy is doing some cloning like what is that um so it's all tied to the story yeah as well cool that's cool everything's everything's deeply deeply linked in like every everything that we use is is somehow tethered to the world in a very real way nice i kind of feel like we touched on this a little bit already but what is your favorite part of creating the homebrew um i think it's this is gonna sound really cheesy um but one of my favorite things in creating the working with the homebrew is like being the hope uh my my first character uh zaldwin you know he comes from a very sterile world he comes from this this ship that everything's been fine hasn't been in any wars everybody treats each other well on it and then he's thrown into this this terrible world where there's a psychotic space cults and there's <laughs> like dark yeah. government agencies and there's murder all the time there's planets being exploded all the time and so you yeah, imagine coming he, out of that is probably a little different <laughs> yeah yeah and, and so like kind of showing that though we've been presented with this really dark world being being the light there i think is 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 really nice i like playing that type of character um and for contrast my other character was in the psychotic space cult and is possessed by a lawful good weapon so if that's, <laughs> that's awesome it, we're we're seeing them on their path of redemption on on trying to be a good person uh post planet destroying yeah you know like (laughs) how how do you redeem that how do you redeem yourself from you know murdering billions (laughs) i really i really love that everything seems to be so tied to the story that's a lot of credit to your to grant and the, the dungeon master because um to specifically, it sounds like he goes quite out of his way to ensure that all the characters, all the items, and everything that's happening really has a huge impact on the world around you, mm-hmm. which really, as a player, can just make you feel awesome. Yeah. Um, and that he's really taking all the work you've invested in your characters and doing what he can to bring it to life. And that really is a sign of an amazing dungeon master. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and it's great seeing, you know, sometimes you see a, a footprint of all of the work that he's doing and you recognize it and you see it. And it's it brings so many, like, revelations to you as, as a player of, like, oh, it's been weeks since I even thought about that. And it's we're seeing the consequences of it now. You know, so many moving parts. Grant is, is, is great at... at you know, recognizing those small moves and then right. having us Just actually deal with those something. consequences. Yeah. 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 
So, uh, obviously, the work that goes into a actual pay podcast is pretty huge. Um, for anybody looking to step into that that area, do you have any advice to give them? I uh, I mean, I said it earlier, just like consistency. That's always going to be the hardest thing. As long as you're like putting the time and effort into it, somebody's going to see what you're doing. Somebody's going to like what you're doing. And if you are investing in it, it's going to slowly get better at time, you know, better with time. Um, Y'all don't have to be critical role on episode zero, you know, like you don't have to have that production (laughs) quality. You don't have to, you know, like even know what you're doing, you know, like do it, do it, (laughs) do a podcast, try it out. If you realize that you want to cut ties from that project, start another podcast like right just keep doing it um Mm -hmm. and you'll you'll start to find the things that you like you'll start to see the types of behaviors that you like to you know replicate in the world you'll see the the types of stories that you want to tell um so just that is uh that's some pretty awesome advice yeah i we started i was using like a pretty much a one dollar microphone you know like a one dollar headset yeah um I know. that i've probably had for years uh and we just slowly you know leveled up you know you're starting at level zero right you're starting at you, think of the podcast mm-hmm. as a character start at level that's one awesome you suck at doing stuff that's okay <laughs> you'll get there you'll get there <laughs> um so, uh, for anybody that's interested in checking this out, and as like I said, I've made it through a few episodes, and I highly enjoy it. Um, I'm looking forward to finishing it up. In fact, I'll be listening to it when I go to work tomorrow, because that's the sort of stuff I do when I'm supposed to be being productive. <laughs> <laughs> um, where can people find the homebrew? Yeah, the homebrew is on iTunes. The homebrew is on uh, Spotify. We're, we're everywhere. If you look up uh, the homebrew, a D&D podcast, um, we have a website. You can kind of get redirected to all different podcatchers. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Um, we do all sorts of like little giveaways ourselves. Um, we're always posting art. We're always posting articles. Um, so you can get like general information about D&D stuff as well as like all of our homebrewed content. Very cool. Um I honestly, like I said, I, I've really enjoyed it so far. And after uh, interviewing you, I'm really excited to see what else uh, comes out of this show. So, um, like I said, I'm super excited. Uh, you guys can head on over to uh, criticademy.com slash post slash episode 218. You can find links to directly to their podcatchers there as well. Um, if you're also checking out the UTTs and stuff we have there. And now, what you've all been waiting for. Our Unearth Tips and Tricks segment where we bring you new and reusable material for both players and DMs. So Austin B, you brought with you a character concept today. Would you like to tell our audience about it? So, um, like I said, Zeldwin has this this small robot uh, named Hermes. And I was, you know, sometimes this comes up. And you hate to think that it would happen, but you got to be prepared afterwards. Um, which is like, what happens if Zaldwin dies? Um, 
And so I had kind of come up with this idea that uh, if my character, this this bug tiefling alien guy, you know, with this little flying robot, ended up mm-hmm. dying on an alien planet, how would Hermes kind of exist from that point? I don't think he would like necessarily like fall to the ground. Um, so this is, I'd like to introduce Prometheus, who Prometheus? is a that's a good name. Who is a void forged uh sword that sounds awesome <laughs> uh void forged um blade song wizard and so a basically a, a body falls from a, sh- a a shock shuttle lands on the planet opens up there's just a body without a head hermes flies over logs into it and he becomes this this character that's tasked with taking this <laughs> this incredibly uh, genetically altered being back to the ship. Um, So he straps Hermes or he straps Zeldwin's body onto the back of him. And that's his mission, right? Is to return Zeldwin's body to the (laughs) Oasis. Um, That's a good character concept. Yes. (laughs) I love it. That's so cool. See, this is a good character concept because it's a character concept for a character you're already playing. So you're just immediately tying the the, the end that's like, oh, this guy died? Don't worry. There's a plan B already in action. (laughs) You guys just don't know it yet. (laughs) I love it. Robot head on the meat suit. Got it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I ended up giving him the, uh, uh, just building him up to like a level seven wizard just to kind of see what would happen. Um, Because I had also never played like a Bladesong caster. Um, Gave him kind of the the Far Traveler uh, background. So everybody's like, what what the fuck is this? You know, because it's it's a robot designed by an AI. So it doesn't look like anything a human would build. Um, And of course, to have the the homebrew flavor for it, um, I gave him a, a special feat called the Void Design Sniper Body. Um, which uh, Prometheus can reformat their body, uh, separating their legs and their their torso kind of swings back behind their feet and their head tucks into their body and their their spinal column elongates um, and they become a sniper turret. Uh, and Pro- Prometheus <laughs> It's a damn take... transformer! Yes. <laughs> That's uh, so cool! Prometheus must take uh, two actions to assume the sniper body form uh, and then once in that sniper body form, uh, Prometheus's movement becomes zero and gains uh, the weapon property and the ranged weapon property. Um, and on each of Prometheus' turn, Prometheus's turns, uh, they can take any spell, transform it into a ranged spell attack uh, with a range of 300 feet and triples the damage. However, they can only do that three times uh per long rest um, and they experience one point of exhaustion for every spell they cast that way. So it's you, you unload a ton and then you're out. Right. Um, I also wanted to kind of design something because on the homebrew, we recently had a space battle um, and it did not go well for us. Uh, (laughs) We were, properly fucked um and so i was like if zaldwin dies i also want a character that can just like climb on top of the ship 
turn into a gun and start mowing down other like spaceships basically um because okay. the rest of the crew is soft fleshy bodies that can't handle space i um what um, a fun character see this is <laughs> you're you're weirdly like a support character because yes. like you 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 support the characters by here i am the magic item Yes. Use me, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just like a. I've never thought of that. I mean, it's, I guess it's not in any like the core rule books or anything like that. So you kind of do have to kind of think on the fly for that one. But in like a sci-fi setting, who's to say that this robot companion of yours doesn't turn into a hyper weapon and just mows down the enemy with you? <laughs> like I got you It reminds me of the old. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, Ian beat me to it. It reminds me of the old uh, Transformers. <laughs> Megatran turned into a big giant gun, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So. Uh, Which is it, why he could not take his toy to the airport as a kid. <laughs> I'm not joking either. That's uh, yeah, definitely inspired by Transformers. Inspired by uh, uh, Fooly Cooly, the robot from Fooly yes. Cooly. Yes! Um, ah, inspired a, a little bit by uh, like Bastion from Overwatch. Like Just trying yeah. to kind of get this idea of like... Yeah. What's a very un unloving, uncaring robot that I can play that is also a giant gun? Uh, <laughs> attention, all <laughs> patrons! In the same vein. <laughs> Don't be surprised when I make a monster that has this awesome idea because I absolutely am in love with it. <laughs> it's a monster that just turns into another gun for a monster. <laughs> yeah, like I envision like having like a gnome who's got this giant monster that fights for him. But then when you weaken him, the, it transforms and then it j- turns into a tank and then the gnome jumps inside of it and starts mowing the players down. Like That's, that's very Cronenberg. Genius. Yes, very, like, yes. just, just a meat machine. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. That's a great character oh, concept. Thank you. So I think that'll do it for the character concept. Uh, I love that. Um, and I have to crop that and put that into some fancy text because <laughs> that is awesome. Thank you so much for bringing that, Austin B. Um, our monster variant of the podcast is the Frost Queen. I think I have her pulled up here so everyone can see her. Um, so this is a very uh, uh, simple uh, build, but I want I found a really beautiful art piece I wanted to make a monster for so <laughs> so we have the oh, you're going to start with the stat block of the adult white dragon but it's going to lose the features of frightful presence um cold breath blind sight tail attack claw attack wing attack um and becomes large down from huge so those are all the changes you're going to start with um but of course we got rid of a lot of stuff so we got to amp it up somewhere right Mm. Um, so we're going to give it some new features. We're going to give it uh, chilling presence. Frost freezes everything within 100 feet of her. After three rounds, non-magical fires up to the size of a campfire are quenched. Um, water freezes within one minute. And spells that protect against cold are subjected to the immediate dispel magic feature with a plus nine uh, spell to the at a plus nine spell casting ability. That means people that are immune, <laughs> tough shit. <laughs> uh, while within a hundred feet of her frost aura, we're okay. going to give her what's called um, uh, conjured ice lance. So it's a melee or ranged attack with uh, plus thirteen to hit, ten foot reach, or sixty to ninety foot range. She's basically just going to be uh, uh, the the chick from Final Fantasy VIII. I forgot her name. 
the the sorceress uh, Edia. She's gonna idiot that up by tossing lances at the players. We're gonna give her chilling blast, a blast, which has a recharge of on a five or six. Frost releases a blast of frigid air in a ninety foot line, not a cone, uh, that is ten feet wide. Um, each creature in that line must succeed a DC nineteen con save or take uh, thirty three uh, sixty ten damage, cold damage, and sixty ten piercing damage on a failed save or half as much on a success. Here's where it gets interesting. I gave her some really cool. Uh, legendary actions as you um, should she, yeah that's how i roll right she's gonna get uh detect frost makes a wisdom to check that's great for detecting all the little in- invisible bastards and rogues um we're gonna give her con- she's gonna be able to make a conjured ice lance um up to you know three times because she has three uh legendary actions and we're gonna give her frigid nova which has a cost of two action she releases uh frost releases a swirl of burst icy bursting icing wind each creature within 10 feet of frost must succeed a dc 19 con save or take uh 2d6 plus 6 uh bludgeoning uh damage and be knocked prone that should be cold damage i don't know why that says bludgeoning i should fix that uh, fix that for me. Um, cold damage and is knocked on their butts. Frost can then fly up to half its speed and move. Now, back up to its other core feature that I gave it called the Bloody Nova. When Frost hit points are reduced in less to half of its max, uh, it can immediately use its Frigid Nova feature regardless if it has a legendary action necessary to do so. Whew, that's a lot. I wanted a big bad boss, so I got one. Um, she is all about... <laughs> letting it go <laughs> I wonder how many times you're going to use that honestly. as many times as I can man <laughs> I'm a big fan okay um, so I'm really excited for this uh, if you guys are seeing on the screen you can see the, the layout that is in the magazine that we release every uh, month um, looks all pretty and shit with lore and everything I have to ask um, right off the top shelf Austin B what do you think uh, I think she seems very, very fun, uh, very difficult, especially with that, like, uh, like 90 foot, or what was it, 10 foot wide, 90 foot long, chilling blast. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, like, being able to be a DM and, you know, really poke and harass some some healers and stuff staying in the back line, you know, like, that's gonna be really really fun as a dm and really difficult as a player um especially mm, yeah. you know if you stay pretty far back you know yep i'm a big fan of the 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 line effects just because they have a longer reach now the assumptions you only ever catch like two maybe three tops in it unlike a cone that assumes you can get the whole party but man they are just they are so nice to have i think um, which is why I changed it from a cone because most of the cold abilities are cone effects. Um, yeah. I wanted something a little different, very much Hadouken like uh, with ice. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. What do you guys think? She's a beast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, really, because this still has flight, correct? Yes. Yeah, so this is not just some queen who's sitting on her throne. This is a queen who's flying around and you know, hurling ice beams at you and all that fun stuff. So this is a, a uh, and I do like how it's like, kind of feels like a boss monster where it's like, ah, we're on to phase two when it just kind of immediately just freezes everything around her in like a 10 foot sphere. So mm-hmm. I do like that a lot as well. I think that yeah. really sells 
this is the Frost Queen, not because she is royalty, but because she is powerful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and you guys should see the lore behind her. I totally dug up the lore from the old Medusa legends, how mm. she was cursed. Um, it was very much like that, but instead of being a, a hideous thing, her, she became emotionless, pretty much, um, and heartless and everything. It's just, it's fantastic. So okay. our patrons will love that. So uh, anything else to add to that? Oh, also, if you run this, I highly recommend putting it in an air with lots of light cover um, because you will – the line effect being 10 feet wide can be dangerous if everyone is all melee. <laughs> so, For sure. Yeah. It's no more dangerous than a cone effect, I guess, if they're all just sitting in front. But anyways, uh, I do recommend cover. Uh, that'll do it for our monster variant, the Frost Queen. Cool. Uh, I like that one a lot. Yeah, Austin. Would you, Austin A? Would you like to tell us about our encounter? <laughs> take a yeah, deep breath. Take a. Yeah, I know. I'm like, okay. I see a lot of text, but we got this. It's nothing unusual. <laughs> this one is called the Shattered Tundra. The characters are hired to seek out Lavinia Brushgather, a spy halfling. She stumbled onto some important information that your benefactor seeks. Your benefactor had hired her to gain knowledge, but had never returned. She instead went into hiding. Your benefactor's contacts believe she is hidden in the Shattered Tundra. Uh, the Shattered Tundra is a maze of shifting sheets of ice and glaciers. While mostly abandoned, there are a few frozen islands with tribes of Frostlanders. Use the Berserk stat block for these guys. Uh, the Frostlanders are a primitive and brutal bunch. Much like the Tundra they inhabit, the Frostlanders are people of strength and culture. They worship their deity, the aforementioned Frost Queen, a powerful creature that calls the area home. The inhabitants can often be found hunting whales, seals, and walruses in the frigid waters, choose a choosing a to live a simple life. Now, the small inhabited islands are surrounded by a massive thick continent of ice and stone. The area was sorn torn asunder a millennia ago, leaving the area shattered, cracked, and broken. The massive splits create a massive labyrinth surrounding and protecting the Frostlanders from intruders. Only those with guides from the Frostlander tribes can easily navigate the complex icy maze. Without a guide, the characters must make their way through the deadly environment. Now, this encounter is a skill challenge that requires five successful skill checks before gaining three failures. If the party fails, they gain one level of, of exhaustion and must endure the maze of ice once again. They have to try again. They... they they don't get like a, oh, you kind of succeed. No, you have to succeed. Uh, as a game master, you can choose to include monster encounters here as well, such as Yeti, Polar Bear, or Oozes. The whole idea, I think, is just the idea that this is supposed to be just a very labyrinthian kind of area, and you kind of have to succeed before you come out the other end, and you just kind of, oh, darn, we came <laughs> back to the entrance. We got to go again. Yeah. Uh, once they pass the challenge, they will then need to convince the Frostlanders to allow them inside their town. This requires a successful DC 16 persuasion or deception check. If a character has the background feature false identity, the character can forge a fake identity connecting them to the Frostlanders and allowing entry. Uh, once they meet with Lavinia Brushgather, they learn that their benefactor has been secretly blackmailing powerful noble men and women to ensure their political rise in their local government. This includes the murder of innocents. The piece of information she gathered was, of course, blackmail material. But when she learned she threatened young triplets, she fled with the information and all the characters' benefactors' leverage. So, 
pretty big <laughs> this time around. We did have to kind of cover up some some basic stuff like what the setting is. Yeah. Uh, but definitely the Shattered Tundra is not only an environmental challenge. You do kind of get uh, some benefits around that because with the whole you know fake identity. So we're kind of including some background uh, characters or character backgrounds that don't normally come to, to play very often. Um, there are some combat encounters should the DM wish. Now, obviously, there is a lot, so they don't have to. But I think the cool thing is definitely the, the skill challenge in this one. In my mind, 350 words or so doesn't seem like a lot um, <laughs> until I write it out. Um, so there it is. Uh, Austin B., what do you think about this? Uh, I really like the... Um kind of like preface of of having this benefactor and like they have information that we need we need to kind of track that down um i am actually running a uh campaign set in a like late 1800s new orleans um which i might kind of like nice. reskin this a little bit too uh, <laughs> the, the, the bayou instead of the frozen waste um, nice for sure Absolutely. I mean, I, I think all the kind of like utility is there I, right, for, for pushing story forward. And then there's also yeah. the big challenge of mm. fighting some fighting a big frost queen. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think we don't really have an encounter here as much as we have a potential two, three session outline here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, okay, so 350 words for an encounter is probably a bit much. I will. No, 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 no. I didn't mean that in a bad no, way. No, I'm it saying. sounds great. Yeah. yeah it's not to I say. I get over, yeah. over, overexcited when I write these. It's definitely not that it's uh, bad because, like, it's obviously like good stuff here, but it's just, man, mm. this is like a couple sessions worth rather than just like a simple encounter for players to kind of plug and play. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And also fleshing it out where, like, you know, if you have this this kind of like brutal group of people, right? The Frostlanders. You know, how can you mm-hmm. build also some intrigue in there? You know, like are all right. of them just these kind of like mindless like, oh, I'm gonna attack you kind of thing, or is there like, you know, much it. more culture in there? Could you mm-hmm. like infiltrate and s- solve that in some way as well? Yeah, for sure, I love it. Uh, I think that'll do it for our encounter of the podcast, the Shattered Tundra. Austin B., would you like to tell us about our magic item today? Yeah, the uh, magic item today is Cold Snap, which is a whip weapon, uh, graded very rare and requires attunement. Uh, Once you attune to this weapon, its once frigid handle uh, feels warm and welcoming to your touch. How romantic. Uh, When you... (laughs) When you hit with an attack using this magic item, the target takes an extra 1d6 cold damage. Uh, This frigid whip contains 1d4 plus 1 charges. When you hit a creature that is not immune to cold damage with this weapon, you can expend one of those charges to inflict a biting chill, causing the creature to make a DC 16 constitution saving throw. On a failure, the target is restrained until the start of your next turn. On a success, its speed is halved instead. This item regains 1d4 expended charges at dawn. Okay. What do you think, Austin B? Uh, super fun weapon. I love the idea that, like, even if you don't restrain the target, their their speed is halved. 
Um, I think that even though that seems really little, you know, it's just the last like seven words of the description. Um, Mm. I think that can even be super, super helpful. I I imagine playing this with like a a swashbuckler character where you Mm -hmm. can like run up, hit him real quick, pull back. And then like, even if they do try to approach you, you know, you're always going to have double that kind of interaction with them. I like how you, no matter what you feel, the benefit of the weapon, whether or not they succeed or fail. It's just how much does the weapon hurt them instead? And I think that uh, plays a lot into uh, like the reward for getting the weapon. So it's not all or nothing. It's, it's, something or a lot more (laughs) yeah right i i feel like that's missing from a lot of you know magic items sometimes when they're built it's like oh you have this legendary sword and like you just biff it and yeah like nothing nothing happens you know Mm -hmm. but like this is really nice where like there's there's an exchange either way yes absolutely ian do you have anything i definitely think it was keeping on with the uh cult theme here so yeah. And, yeah. You'd almost but say it's really ice. Before too, though, you didn't really see too many cold related items, so it's kind of nice to see yeah. more in that regard. So that's always in my opinion. Yeah. And, and the it, restraint effect definitely stays on brand. So it does. I, I took some of the concepts from the old uh, fourth edition books. They have a lot of mm-hmm. um, effects that can happen even on a successful save. Um, and I think as Austin B already pointed out, that's something that is kind of missing, uh, which is also why I had a hard time determine the rarity of this damage wise. It matches up to like the, the frost brand or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's extra utility puts it just above that. And it it was tough. Um, but I think that the fact that it does something regardless if it's a successful save or not, um, end up forcing me to push it over the top there. So, um, makes sense. I think that'll do it for our magic item. And now for a DN tip, changing up the setting genre. As you can tell with our main topic, while it does come with its challenges, don't be afraid to dip your test into other genres outside fantasy. While developing your own creations, which may take more work, it's a very doable thing to do in the 5B rule set. A firebolt can become a laser gun if you just change the damage type to radiant, for example. Features of hacking can be reflavored these tools. Looking for an alien race as the main villains for a level 1 intro campaign? Well, the uh, little green aliens could be goblins. Yeah. Ah! Could see that. <laughs> Indeed. And the rules of floating in space? Just look at the actual playing for mechanical details. And then if you want a survival horror-style campaign to take place on a ship much like Alien, you can toss a beefy egg keg with the essence spray and some intellect devourers against a group of level 1 players to get a terrifying adventure going. And all this can take place on a single space station. Like Deep Space Nine. Ha-ha! Got to get Star Trek reference in there. And some nice. simple adjustments to descriptions can allow you to easily reflavor the uh, 5D mechanics to take your game to the stars. I just thought about how, like, to create a horror campaign, you kind of have to put your players at level one, or else they're just not going to feel fear. And that makes so much sense. I don't know how that never clicked to me before until just now. <laughs> because if you're, like, level 10, like, God doesn't scare you anymore. <laughs> like, <laughs> you kind of just look awesome. at him. 
What do you think, Austin B? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm a fan. Um, <laughs> I, it, it may be kind of like, I don't know how much cred I'll lose for saying this, but I don't think I've ever played a campaign from a book. Uh, I mean, I think the, the closest that I got was I like played Eberron for probably like a, a handful of weeks and, you know, parties dissolve, whatever. Um, yeah, but right. like, as far as like playing to, to a, a written campaign, it's, when you have the rule set in front of you and you can just like expand out and do whatever you want um within the rule set uh you know (laughs) yes (laughs) it the the possibilities are endless um you know like i think having these stories that react to your players um you know that is is super rewarding Uh, see seeing the look in your players eyes when like you know their backstory is directly tied in with the main core of of the story you know when you build a story around your players um right so yeah i mean i i love i love this (laughs) yeah very cool it's my bread and butter um (laughs) yeah That'll do it for our Dungeon Master tip. Uh, Change up the setting genre. Our player tip of the podcast is... Don't don't be be a dick. dick. And you can avoid dickitude by separating the enemy. Yep. Uh, In unity, there is strength. And this applies to your enemies as much as it does yourselves. In many instances, a group of monsters is more than a match for your party although each individual monster is relatively weak. In such a case, a good tactic is to separate the enemy, drawing them out so that you can engage them individually in small or in smaller groups. Um, there are a lot of different ways to do this um, when it comes to separating your enemies. One of my favorites, and honestly one of the most common, is utilizing the um, restriction of movement, moving through a hostile space in like a small hallway, right? Mm-hmm. Um, hallway by, f- by for, 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 forcing them to follow you down a hallway, you instantly put them perfect line, um, a to only fight one-on-one or B use a line attack such as lightning bolt or something. Um, because not only are you pulling them away from the rest of the group, you're lining them up for your own attacks and you're reducing the incoming damage that comes in onto your party as a whole. The only thing I always say is better than uh, any cleric is just avoiding the damage altogether. And you can do that by making it so they just can't attack you by keeping them separated. Um, shutting a door behind them and then going out the other end and shutting that door and barring it and locking them in there while you deal with the other enemies. Um, players have so many powers and um, features that can let them manipulate the the enemies and maneuver them into a position where they can't gain the upper hand but they so often just don't (laughs) i don't know why um austin b do you have any thoughts on this uh i i'm a huge fan of like looking at um like old school castle design (laughs) i i know this is kind of like um I'm going to like do a little art history architecture nerd out thing. Um, but like the way that you can, if people are trying to siege your castle or if you're trying to siege a castle, building that design into it where, you know, like, Oh, your shield arm 
is your left arm. And so this, this curve in the path is going to force you to turn left so that your shield, you, you have to like twist around to the side to use your shield or like different ways that that, that castle design um, was used towards, towards fighting and being able to defend and use the architecture in a way that benefits you um, or mm-hmm. deters enemies like is, is always amazing. So like being able to separate enemies um, using the architecture around you to, to split up forces or like you guys right. were saying, like bottlenecking people into one area. Mm-hmm. Um, I always grant inspiration for people who are like using the architecture to their advantage because they just think it's right. So cool. <laughs> that's a that's a good uh, thing to keep in the back of your mind as a dungeon master. When the players do decide, oh, there's another level. I'm gonna climb up to the balcony to get the high ground. That's that's using stuff you put there, and that should be rewarded in in any way possible. So even if it's just like cover or an inspiration point. So yeah. Um. Anybody else got anything? Oh, I can think of a long list of stuff. Well, one will do. <laughs> Oh, magic, obviously. <laughs> Stuff that can manipulate the environment, like the various wall spells, conjuration spells, summoning spells. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're in the narrow tunnel, kind of like what you're saying? I summon the, summon the creature as big as a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Just cork Yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> ah, yes, this tunnel, I summon a shark <laughs> to fill this tunnel as I use... Shape water and make more water. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and just make fill How up the whole tunnel with water and then throw a shark in it <laughs> and watch them scream. <laughs> Where'd our druid go? <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. That's good. Uh, uh, anything else, uh, Austin A? Uh, see, I remember when uh, when it came to like separating the enemy when I was. Uh, using good old Raven the Crow and having the old grappling hook (laughs) because I needed the grappling hook for various situations. Uh, It was always just because we had to run from all these things because we eventually eventually got found out where inside, you know, the ship where uh, Zariel was. We're like, hmm, not the greatest idea. We need to run. (laughs) Uh, So instead of, you know, like just kind of you know, taking this like elevator, we kind of went through like the pseudo waste chute. <laughs> kinda. <laughs> Except the waste was more like throwing bodies down and not necessarily actual waste. <laughs> uh, but I just remember like we really did just kind of just went through a bunch of doors, just slammed them behind us and kept on going and just went up as many floors as we could. <laughs> and it was, we got pretty far you know it was, it was nice i just flashed back to the first edition of pathfinder where i ran a summoner where you build your summon from scratch like a character that sounds we, awesome that's actually and we so came cool. into like your room that had like got four high level elemental creatures i looked at the fire and i got that one Sum- summoned my creature which was basically a lava golem with wings who's immune to fire tackled the fire elemental <laughs> and flew out the room it's like all right he's taking care of for now <laughs> that's awesome i love that it's a really good example um i think there, there's a lots of different ways to to separate the enemy but as For a sure. player just keep it in mind because sometimes you have to <laughs> it just makes the 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 world the adventure easier 
Um, especially when you're like me and don't afford the players a lot of short rests. So, uh, yeah, that'll do it for our player tip of the podcast. Don't, don't be, be a, dick. a dick and you can avoid dickitude by separating your enemies. Yeah, yeah. Now, before we close out, we have another gift to give away. Consummate compliments of our sponsor. The tournament of tokens. For years, the town of Brightbank has held an annual tournament open to the bravest and the brightest. The premise was simple. Enter the dungeon and emerge with the most chips of valor at the greatest speed. The winners will be granted magical items as well as a bounty of gold. There is a chance of death, and most definitely a guarantee of danger. Does your party have what it takes to become superiors? And yeah, okay. our winner today is Memeness88. Not a problem. Head over to CrackGamer.com, and not only can you subscribe for your chance to win, but you can take a look at our free stuff that we're constantly giving away from our sponsors. That's Absolutely. Yes. Uh, before we close out here, um, I just want to say thank you so much to Austin B for joining us. Um, I do thanks. We for hope you me. enjoyed. We <laughs> hope you enjoyed your experience here um, at the Crit Academy. Absolutely. Um, do you want to give yourself one more plug where people can find you and all that jazz? Yes. Uh, we are the Homebrew D&D. Uh, if you Google Homebrew D&D podcast, we should come up. Uh, you can find us at thehomebrewpodcast.com. Uh, and you can find us on Spotify, uh, iTunes. Please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us on uh, f- Facebook. Uh, please follow us on um Twitter, you know, like we're in all the areas. Um, we're constantly releasing stuff. Um, our schedule is usually releasing episodes every two weeks, but there's plenty of content on there to uh, keep you occupied in the meantime. Uh, you can listen, you can follow, you can support. And you know what? Even if you like it, shoot us a contact, shoot us a, a message. We're always checking our stuff. There's a lot of us there's five of us um so one of us is usually online we'll chat you up we'll talk about stuff um and i look forward to hearing from from y'all sure nice well once again thank you for joining us i had a blast um you have a lot of i'm really excited because um this episode really rang true a lot for what we've done with capes and crooks um, which is a superhero RPG. So um, it shows that it is so versatile that you really can run any genre a game you want using the 5e rule sets, and you don't even have to change that much usually. So yeah. <laughs> um, if you in, uh, please join us on our next episode, we'll be discussing Monster Tactics Hags. Um, we have not done a Monster Tactics uh, episode since the zombie, like in the early 60 episodes or whatever. Um, yeah. We will be having a special guest, Anthony Thomas, the creator of the popular Sages of the Forgotten Realms community. I'm super excited. This is one of my favorite groups because all they talk about is Forgotten Realms lore and story. And along with that comes monsters. (laughs) So we're going to learn all about hags, history, lore, how they birth, all that stuff, and how to get the most out of them mechanically as a DM to piss off each and every one of your players. 
<laughs> yeah, because that's how I roll. Well. If you enjoy the show and you'd like to support us, you can head on over to CritAcademy.com, follow us on social media. Please leave us a review on iTunes. Even if you don't use iTunes, it's free to sign up, and it goes a long way in the podcatcher algorithms and everything, so please do that. Um, we just released our recent uh, product, Whitaker's Well of Wondrous Items. It is selling like hotcakes, so keep a... a an eye out for a print uh, print copy uh, as I am working on trying to get those published too. So if you want something in your hands, um, you'll be able to do that. With that, I am your host, Justin. And I am your guest, Austin Brady. And thank you for listening. Keep your blades sharp and spells prepared, heroes.